Hi. I am. Um, I'm in Utah right now. My parents live in Utah, and um, if you're not from America, that is on the west coast, sort of farther west, west coast of America. And I, my mom had, my mom was having some problems, and it looks like I took her to the doctor, multiple doctors for multiple things, and come to find out, it looks like she's had a couple strokes uh, recently. She's doing okay, uh, but it's scary, and you know, it's been just an emotional time in the world, and everybody's emotions are elevated, and um. You know, so it's kind of been an emotional week for me just dealing with everybody else's emotions plus my own emotions <laughs> and my mom's emotions and my kids' emotions. <laughs> and so anyway, today I decided to take a drive and go up to Logan, Utah, which is a beautiful city, kind of small town. Um, Utah State is up there and it's just a beautiful area. The drive up there is just majestic. It looks like you could be in Switzerland or Austria or any beautiful place that has lots of tall, beautiful mountains. Utah is actually a lot like, I've been to Austria and it reminded me a lot of uh, Utah, actually. So I was driving up there and one of my favorite things to do is I love to go to antique stores. And Logan just happens to have quite a few of them. So I went ahead and started my little escape into antique stores. And it was really great because um, nobody was wearing masks, uh, which probably sounds irresponsible to anyone who is freaking out about wearing masks. But it felt kind of neat because for a minute I forgot about COVID altogether. And it was just like really awesome. But um, because of the current you know, uh, issues going on in the world with, uh, all of these protests and everything, my mind was, uh, focused on things that I probably never would have been focused on. So I went to three different antique stores and in the three different antique stores, I took a picture of everything I could find not intentionally, I just started with the first thing I saw that represented black culture. And what I found humbled me greatly because um, the first thing I found was what looked like the male and female version of Aunt Jemima. Everything was like that. Everything. Uh, It was all... Nothing was um, beautiful dolls or um, beautiful cultural experiences. It was all dated back to the Aunt Jemima, Gone with the Wind type era, which... Again, I've never noticed that before, and it was kind of, uh, it was humbling, and it was a little upsetting to me, and so I had a new awakening about 
everything that's going on. And can I just say for a second that I'm driving on the freeway talking and I'm driving next to a guy who has got like a ton of little pigs in the back of his truck. <laughs> Sorry. I just, that was very cute. There were like, a, like probably 20 little pigs in this, uh, in this little basket carrier that he had <laughs> just tiny ones. Anyway, back to my story. So it, it really, it really was an awakening thing. And I found myself feeling ashamed of myself because this is something that I have never paid attention to that the history, like, I mean, I love going, like I said, through antique stores because it's like you go, you walk through history, you take a walk and you see, you know, records that you used to like and toys that you used to like and little decorations that, you know, and these were really good antique stores because they really were, uh, you know, old stuff. It wasn't like people were just trying to get rid of their stuff and brought them there and they bought it at Target a couple of years ago. No, these were like old items and plates and really great stores. But again, it was a little bit, I, I found myself feeling um, emotional as I, as I did this. And I started thinking about just the things that I had been reflecting on recently. And it gave me a desire to get involved in some way. I'm not really a protester and I don't really feel like protesting. As I think protesting makes people feel like they're doing something to do something and that's what everybody wants to do is something but I don't really feel like it makes me feel like I've done anything other than just said I'm here uh, and so I started thinking about this and started thinking what can I do that actually will make a difference in my realm of influence which is always hard because my realm of influence is kind of small. You know, I have a disabled child and um, I don't work. And so what is my realm of influence? And so I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm doing this as a follow-up to my last one because in my last one, I felt like it all had to do with like conversations I have in my home. And that may still only be what I have the ability to do. But taking this walk down history and finding like maybe 10 items in three antique stores that were huge, by the way, these were not small antique stores. These were big antique stores. And that was the three things, salt and pepper shakers. That was aunt, aunt Jemima and Mr. Aunt Jemima, you know, um, which kind of represented a time of the world that we don't really want to think about anymore. But it made me realize that I need to get involved. And so I don't know if I'm going to get involved in the NAACP or what I'm going to do, or if I, I know I could possibly be a CASA, which is where you, um, you know, you become an advocate for students or if I want to get involved in the welfare, not the welfare and um, the uh, foster care system. But I just had like a moment where I realized that teaching my kids with my words is just one part, but that I need to start advocating 
in a way that actually makes a difference. And I even thought about, like, maybe I should run to be on school boards, you know, in my city. I don't know. I don't know how this will go. But I wanted to do this as a follow-up to last time because I realized that there was a problem. That I had had my head in the sand. And I didn't really want to think about it except for the fact that I felt like I had maybe a responsibility to teach and maybe that still is all I have the ability to do, but I need to do it better. And I need to I need to get broader with it. And though I would never really be like a violent person, but I have a responsibility to do it peacefully and to do it. And so anyway, this is just a follow-up because the one thing I have noticed when I worked at a school, I think I can't remember if I if I've mentioned this before, but when I when I worked for the school district in Las Vegas, I worked at a school that was for kids who had violated the zero uh, zero tolerance policies, and I worked uh, as the FASA, which is a first aid uh, person. I don't know what it all stands for, but it basically means I was the nurse. So when, but I wasn't the nurse. I worked with the nurse, and so when kids had diabetes and they came in, I would check their, you know, I would have them check their blood, and I would keep track of it, and then they, we would do their insulin. Or if somebody came in high to school, which does happen, especially in a behavior school, I would take their, you know, I, I actually went to the hospital with a kid one time until his parents arrived and acted as his custodian or his, you know, custodial care. Uh, so I, that was a, an interesting job for me because I got to know the kids pretty well. Well, having a child with special needs has given me uh, a, a better advantage to understanding kids who maybe are not connecting the dots, not because they're high, but because they're not connecting the dots. And one thing I did notice when I was at this school, which I have to say was predominantly black and Hispanic was that many of the kids that I worked with, I felt there was a disconnect, whether they were ADD, whether they had fetal alcohol syndrome, whether they had something that had gone undiagnosed, they had some, most of the kids were not bad kids. They were not necessarily even poorly trained kids. I mean, some of them were, and a lot of them did have parents that were just as naughty as they were. But, and, you know, and and the funny thing was, is it's like, they were all about respect, but they, it was almost like they didn't know how to give it. They wanted your respect, but they didn't know how to give it. And I did, I, I frequently said to my principal, I feel like these kids almost shouldn't be in this school but they should almost be in like a special like a special learning school because it's possible that part of the reason why they're getting in trouble is because they're not really able to follow um that's just something that goes along with this you know this is a topic that kind of has pertinence to this with a you know a podcast like like what I have is that um 
it is possible that some of these issues that we're noticing right now may have a mental health issue or an intellectual health issue. So if I can get involved, I am committing to myself and to others that I would like to. The whole idea of um, Black Lives Matter, the, the terminology does not bother me. And, and let me tell you why. The terminology, uh, the, the term, the, the, the name Black Lives Matter, a lot of people get caught up in the idea that, um, and I'm, you know, I gotta say I'm a Republican. So, so I'm just putting that out there. I'm not saying this because I'm all about it. I'm saying this because I understand this part of it. Because when I worked at this school, I worked with a bunch of secretaries. And I was the only white secretary. In fact, I was one of the only white people who worked at this school. Um, but that gave me a really great opportunity. Because I was able to become friends and have a lot of important conversations about culture. And this was way before any of this. So one of the um, secretaries that I worked with her son had been killed in a drive-by shooting. One of the other secretaries that I worked with, her grandson had been killed in a drive-by shooting. Um, not police uh, things, but in their community. Um, none of them were married, but they, you know, they had children from, some of them from multiple fathers. So I was very, I, I, I was, thankfully, I'm ditzy or dumb enough or naive enough that I ask a lot of questions that a lot of people might think, I can't believe you asked that. But I really genuinely wanted to get to know them. And so I would just individually ask them about their lives. I'm a, I kind of am a curious person like that where I come across as naive enough that people usually are like, she doesn't know any better. Um, and it's true. I don't. <laughs> and so I would have conversations, just very open conversations. And, um, and, and a lot of times it started with conversations about faith, you know, about um, religious backgrounds or was there any and family, you know. But they, they helped me to understand that the Black Lives Matter movement was important to them, not because um, white lives didn't matter, but because they needed in their culture to know that their lives mattered. The term was more, in their opinion, this is them telling me, for them to remind them. It's like saying to your child, remember who you are. You matter. And in this culture where there was killing and fathers leaving and, you know, or not being in the picture or the violence or the, the stereotype, that they needed to know your life matters. And so for them, the term was important. Like, Maybe we would say to our children, remember who you are, remember you're a child of God, remember that you're good, you're, you know, you have, you're important. For them, this was that statement. So the term has never bothered me because I don't need to be told that all the time. Your white life matters. Okay, great. That's good. I already knew that. But for them and their culture, this was an important thing. And so... I don't know how I'm going to be part of that, but I do want to be part of it in a real, in a positive way. I hope I'm accepted into the, 
into it and I hope I can figure it out. And again, I wish I always wish this was a two-way dialogue because if anyone was listening to this and had ideas for me, I would really like ideas. Because I don't like just talking about issues. I like being knowing that I can be part of a solution. I, I hate just fighting about topics. I really would rather say, okay, well then what can we do? And so within the realm of your influence and the realm of my influence, I'm just putting this out there that a lot of times some of this behavior and some of this, I mean, when you look at some of the things that are happening, I don't you sometimes think this person doesn't need seem right in their head. You know, some of the violence, well, maybe they actually aren't quite right. And that might be something that we can relate to. You know, when the learning curve is a little, the cause and effects, the choice and consequence, you pick up one side of the stick, you get the other consequence. We need to be sensitive to that because maybe there is something that can be done to help the movement and to help the understanding of mental help, of intellectual help, of a little more tolerance and and how we can get things. When I, I was doing my, my major at that time in marriage and family science, um, I didn't finish my major. I'm really close. But because I had Sarah, I kind of had to put it on hold again. I've put it on hold three times, okay? I'm like the best college dropout there ever was. I've dropped out with a 4.0 three times. So <laughs> just so you know, I'm really good at dropping out of college. But I really feel passionate about what I do. But when I was at this school, I asked the principal if I could do my practicum on um, by creating a class where we could talk about parenting, especially for kids who were getting involved in drugs and kids that were, and how to have that dialogue with your kids in a way that they could understand it in a way that it wasn't abusive and, you know, all these things. And I got permission from my school and I got permission from the principal. But unfortunately, that's when Sarah came home and in my life topsy-turvied once again. And I was like, okay, everything stops now. We got to go. We got to go back to reality. Um, but the point is, is it got me thinking about a lot of things. And thinking about things is good. It doesn't mean that you're taking a political position or that you're taking, I don't, I hate being a political pawn. Don't you hate that? I hate people using my emotions to become a political pawn. I just, I won't do it. I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to figure out, I'm going to study it out. I'm going to figure out what is really happening. I'm going to get proper statistics, proper information that is not coming based on, I'm going to trigger your emotions so you get all riled up and actually I've fabricated the facts, but I'm going to make it sound that way so you get really mad and then you give me money. I don't like being that. I don't think anybody should like being that. I don't think anybody should be willing to do that. But it is our responsibility to get involved, to find out what we can, to get to 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 tap into our compassionate nature and figure out wh- what we can do to be part of the peaceful problem-solving issues, not to get, you know, riled up into anger and make things worse but to try to figure out how to make things better because we would want that for our child, right? We want awareness of our children. We want tolerance for our children because 
we're struggling with tolerance for our children. And I mean, many of you probably have organizations where you're seeking to educate people. Well, maybe we need to open our minds and be willing to educate ourselves on other issues because actually they might be applicable. That's my thought for today. Just thinking out loud. Hope you're all doing great.